Welcome one and welcome all to the PFN Fantasy Podcast. I'm Derek Tate alongside the one and only Kyle Sapi. You can find him at Kyle Sapi PFN, but we also have an exciting guest. We're going to be talking trade targets for week eight. And who better to talk trade targets in the trade market than with the co-founder of the Fantasy Stock Exchange, Corey Bushland. You can find him on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Football Stock. Corey, how are you doing this morning on a Tuesday heading into week number eight? I'm doing good, doing good. Always ready to talk t- uh, trade targets. This is the time of the week where I'm constantly sending out offers to my league mates and they start to get annoyed with me. Um, but yeah, that's, this is pretty much what I do. So uh, trading addict, I believe, is one of my uh, league names in, uh, on Sleeper. So this should be a, should be a aptly named podcast for me, to say the least. Sapi, how many trade offers is too many uh, to start the week, you know, on like a Tuesday or Wednesday? How many offers would you say you average sending out on a weekly basis? I don't trade. A, I don't send out a ton. I'm more the reactionary guys because people, when you're in this industry, people get intimidated if you send offers. They're like, what's he know that I don't? So I, I often let him come in and then like, I'll let them kick off the negotiations. I'm more of a wait and see kind of guy. Yeah, I find myself always having to overpay now in Dynasty Leagues ever since I've been able to join the PFN Fantasy YouTube team. So speaking of which, if this is your first time ever coming across our Fantasy YouTube channel, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe, go ahead and ring, click the bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time we drop a new bit of video content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. And if you don't feel like looking at my ugly face for the next 30 to 40 minutes and you want to just consume this podio, or podcast via all of our audio outlets. You can also go ahead and just drop us a, a review and you know subscribe to our podcast. However you digest your podcast, we really appreciate all the love and support. Now, one other tool that you should be using while we're talking trades, we have over at profootballnetwork.com, we have a free trade analyzer. The link is in the description. Go ahead and check that out if you're getting any offers or you want to send out offers to your fellow league mates heading into week eight. Let's go ahead and jump real quick into some of the rest of season risers and fallers. Sapi, who is your number one rest of season riser heading into week eight? I mean, I think it's got to be Daryl Henderson after what he did last week. We saw the 19 touches. He got it in the end zone with Kyron Williams out for another three games. What's not to like here? I mean, I get that Royce Freeman's going to be an option there and they're going to go drive by drive. But Henderson's been in this system for a while now. He's been there. He's been under McVay his entire career. So it's short term. I think Kyron comes back and he works into that lead role. But right now, you don't get to find too many guys elevating in role like this in the middle of the season. So I'm I'm moving up Daryl Henderson up in my ranks, at least for the next month or so. I was going to say, I mean, we, we, we have about a month. It, this is rest of season riser, Sapi. And, you know, next three weeks, I'm with you. Uh, do you think that he there's any chance? He was on his couch last week. <laughs> I, I get that, man. And, it, you know, look, we've seen Daryl Henderson be successful in a leading capacity in this backfield, actually 15 plus points in a PPR format had seven of those performances back in 2021. So do you think if he continues to play at a high level, is there a chance that he actually works in tandem with Kyron Williams? I think there's a world in which he does. We Williams wasn't all that efficient. I mean, he scored a bunch of times and that's nice. So I think they could go with a little bit of a committee, but as far as rest of season ranks, like he came into this rank, he came into this week, not even on my rankings because he wasn't, he wasn't a thing in the NFL. So as far as rising, he's up there because he can give you a month or so of usable weeks. We'll see where it goes from there. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I don't see any reason why he can't split to some degree. I don't think he's going to be the feature back, but yeah, he's got to roll the rest of the year. All right. Now, Corey, who's your number one rest of season riser uh, as we head into the back half of the 2023 NFL season? 
Yeah, a guy that we... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Getting over a cold. <clears throat> Tis the season. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, a guy that we saw actually perform at a really, really high level last night. Jordan Addison, one of my favorite prospects coming out of USC. Breakout performance. I think the the season implications for the Minnesota Vikings is also part of the reason why I think Addison could be on the rise. The huge win against San Francisco puts them to three and four. They're going to be, you know, competing probably Justin Jefferson, not shut down for the year. Like people have been kind of concerned with, and that's good news for Jordan Addison with Kirk cousins playing at a high level with Justin Jefferson, potentially coming back. We can see kind of the back half of the season breakout that we typically see out of these rookie wide receivers. And I think Jordan Addison showed already why he can be a baller in the NFL and why the combine is largely overrated. So real quick, I I love the pick with Jordan Addison. And I think that there's a case to be made that Jordan Addison can start to enter the conversation along with guys like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, T Higgins, kind of those like high end, like low end wide receiver one slash high end wide receiver twos in a pass heavy offense. We've seen Kirk Cousins throw the ball over 40 times, I think on four or five occasions so far this season. So once George or once Justin Jefferson does get back into the fold eventually here, where do you see him falling in your weekly rankings? Yeah, I mean, until Jefferson comes back, he's going to be like a mid wide receiver two, low end wide receiver two in kind of bad matchups. But once Jefferson comes back, knowing that rookies typically perform well at the end of their rookie seasons, not at their beginning of their rookie seasons. And Jordan Addison has already smashed his season long prop for four and a half touchdowns that I put down on him before the year. So definitely love to see that. I think that Jordan Addison, like you said, can kind of work into that, you know, still low end wide receiver two range on a weekly basis on the fact that the Vikings are going to throw the ball an absolute crap ton because they, you know, can't play defense to save their lives. I think they kind of got a little lucky last night that Brock Purdy uh, decided to not show up for the game because on a normal week, the Vikings defense is giving it up left, right, and center to anybody that's throwing the ball. Yeah, Brock Purdy kind of, I thought that Purdy played pretty well through the first three quarters of the game. And then in the fourth quarter when they needed him to be, you know, a plus level quarterback, had some struggles, two bad turnovers. Soppy, we'll, we'll skip the Purdy talk for right now. So let's go ahead and talk, though. Um, who is a player that has fallen down your rankings for the rest of the season? And this hurts my soul because of where we stood this summer. But Calvin Ridley, I mean, there's no two ways about this. He was uninvolved last week. He, he ended up with four targets for five yards. The targets even come to late. I forgot he was playing in the game for the first half. They are making no, they made no effort last week. We saw a few of the weeks prior. It's like, oh, he's going to get a carry or two here on one of the first drives. We'll target him. We'll throw him a bone here and there. We didn't get any of that. And Christian Kirk looks great. Trevor Lawrence has been up and down right now. This running game is cooking. They're, they're succeeding without Kevin Ridley performing at a high level. He's got no more than 40 receiving yards in five of his past six games. I don't know if this is going to change. I hope it does. You're keeping him rostered, but right now he's, He's more in the wide receiver three conversation. A month and a half ago, we thought he was a wide receiver one. So this is this is trending in the wrong direction. I maintain hope, but I'm I, I'm shaking at the very least. Do you feel like it's just a matter of time, or have you finally already kind of like waving waved the white flag, so to say? Oh, because you know I still me. believe the talent is there with Ridley. Yes. I still think it's a it, he's probably the more talented player between Christian Kirk and himself. But right now, the production just hasn't been there. How far are you saying that he's falling outside of your top twenty-five right now on a weekly basis? Yeah, right now he is going into week eight. He's right outside there. Of course, no teams on a buy, so you've got the full allotment of options. Once we get bye weeks back, maybe he moves back into that low end wide receiver two range, but 
Yeah, I'm not waving the white flag. I'm too stubborn to do that. But Trevor Lawrence, the talent's there. And like you said, Calvin really is still a very good player. We'll see where this goes from here. But as of right now, he's he's downgrading. We can't do this with him being the wide receiver two in this offense. You guys just talked about Jefferson and Addison. I mean, when they're back, that's about where I have Ridley right now. I mean, he's in that Addison role in that low-end wide receiver two range that Corey was talking about. It's not comfortable. I want more. I want more out of Calvin Ridley. Gotcha. Well, well we all do, for to say the very least. But, you know, Corey, are there any very talented wide receivers that are potentially falling down your rest-of-season ranks as we enter the back half of the season? My rest of season faller is uh, Christian Watson. And mainly the reason is because we've seen kind of this dichotomy of Jordan Love playing super well at the beginning of the season. I ranked Christian Watson super aggressively because I thought we would get him, you know, walking right back into the system, command a 25, 27% target share. And he could be right up there with your Chris Olaves of the world, your Devontae Smiths of the world in that mid wide receiver two range. And that's really not what's happened. Plus now Christian Watson's banged up with a knee injury. So um, I think you have to really temper expectations for him more in that like wide receiver three with upside kind of range where maybe he should have been ranked the whole time for me. But I was really excited about what I saw from Watson's rookie season. I figured once he was healthy, we were going to get this offense kind of, you know, going fast and furious. Yeah, I was heading into the season. I was very high on Christian Watson because I thought that he had some of the symptoms uh, that a recipe makes for a breakout wide receiver, a potentially expanded role, a healthy target share, uh, a skill set that can get vertical for big chunk plays off a of play action out of this Green Bay Packers offense. And also, oh yeah, by the way, he's dynamic once he gets the ball in his hands after the catch, but that just hasn't quite materialized quite yet. The Packers passing offense is still very much a work in progress with Jordan Love under center. So we'll go ahead and transition to running back trade targets. Soppy, who's the number one running back trade target on your list heading into week number eight? Just because it's obvious doesn't make it wrong. Austin Eckler coming off a bad week. We saw Josh Kelly with the long touchdown. I get it. We Two targets, one yard. It's not an Austin Eckler game. If somebody's at all worried about him, I've got Austin Eckler easily a top five guy the rest of the way. If you want, if you can pay 90 cents on the dollar, I go ahead and do it. Take any kind of discount. We saw, remember two years ago, he started the season with a zero target game and everybody's freaking out. They're like, oh no, Austin Eckler, the role's changing. He had at least 10 points as a pass catcher in each of the next four games. This isn't here to stay. Austin Eckler, nothing short of elite. Go get him at any sort of discount if you can. So, obviously, he's a big trade target, I imagine, of pretty much anybody right now, right? You know, he's come back from the three games missed due to ankle injury. He was the running back 25 in his first game back. Running back 40 last week. So, certainly, he is a name to try to go and target. Could throw out some names. Would you be willing to trade Amon Ross St. Brown right now for Austin Eckler if you can get him? Ooh. Yeah, I think I would just because of the ugliness of a running back position. But yeah, no, I think you're in the right tier here. And I don't know if it would take that to get him right now just because of how Amon Ra is playing. He's a stud. Like you're talking top of the board either way. So if that fits your roster, then yeah, I'm fine with that. So Corey, to you now, who is the running back number one to buy atop your list heading into week number eight? Yeah, I would say my like honorable mention was go after Bijan Robinson after headache gate or whatever, because I think he's also, <laughs> like you know, a 90 cents on the dollar type of stud that you can go after. I'm going to go a little bit more down the board, a guy that has a little bit more, you know, risk involved uh, with Javante Williams. If you guys are in a position like I am in one of my home leagues where you lost Devon A. Chain, you lost David Montgomery, you're looking for like RB2 production that has a bit of a ceiling untapped. I think Javante Williams has the ability to become a fixture in the mid RB2 range, potentially higher, 
once we see him get back to his full workload. Because this past week, we saw him have a top 20 fantasy finish, season high in snaps of 53%. He's been much better as a player, too, which is the important thing with Javante Williams, because coming off of a multi-ligament ACL tear, we figured he was going to be a little bit slower. He was probably not going to look quite the same as he did in his rookie season and early in his second season. And he's been uh, you know, pretty good so far the last two games. Nine forced missed tackles on 25 carries. That's in line with what the Javante Williams we know and love back from his North Carolina days and his rookie season days. And also, this is the first time in two years, basically, that he's posted back-to-back games of over a 75 PFF rushing grade. So for me, it looks like the Javante Williams of old is coming back. The Broncos offense isn't great. It's not something that I want to be overly invested in. But I think if you're getting a guy that works his way up into the 65, 70% opportunity share range, we're talking about a mid RB2 on any given week. So it's very encouraging after seeing Jaleel McLaughlin look pretty efficient while Javante Williams was out of the lineup against the New York Jets uh, to see 10 carries uh, at an efficient clip against the Kansas City Chiefs back in week six, then built off that performance, uh, 15 carries against the Green Bay Packers. Kind of want to find that line, though, for you, Corey. Would you trade Terry McLaurin right now for Javante Williams? Yeah, I would assume that most people are a lot stronger at wide receiver than they are at running back, given the current landscape right now. So yeah, Terry McLaurin's like a wide receiver three in fantasy, which is relatively replaceable production. So I would probably go after a guy that I think still has even low-end RB1 upside, but RB2 production at the very least right now. All right, we'll go ahead and flip the script. Sapi, who's the number one running back to sell heading into week number eight? I think you can still move on from Brian Robinson at a pretty decent price. He scored in five out of seven games, but he's just running hot in the touchdown category. We haven't seen really enough usage to my liking. There's, and maybe that's just part of this Washington offense, but he's been under 15 carries in five straight games. And like I said, he's scoring once every 16 touches. If that regresses at all, you're talking about an asset that goes from a mid-range RB2 to a fringe flex play at best. I don't love the setup in Washington. Obviously, we see Sam Howell getting killed on a weekly basis, so that puts the efficiency in question. If the touchdowns regress, I think Brian Robinson drops in a big way, so I would sell him now before the bottom falls out. Speaking of the bottom falling out, the Washington Commanders have lost, what, they lost to the Chicago Bears uh, and then the New York Giants in two of their last three games. And speaking of the two of the last two of the last three games, Robinson during that span has failed to see 10 carries. The volume, while it was there in the beginning of the season, has not been there over the past couple of weeks. So I'm on board with trying to get off of Brian Robinson, who is currently the running back 12 in PPR formats right now. Corey, who's your running back one to sell heading into week number eight? Uh, just real quick on the commander's backfield. It's the most predictable backfield in the league right now. It's like, it's literally, if the commanders are losing, it's Antonio Gibson. Gibson, If the commanders are winning, it's Brian Robinson. Unfortunately, how many times this season, the rest of the way are (laughs) the commanders going to be winning games? With you. No, I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah. So Alvin Kamara is my cell. Now this one's probably a little hot because I think, People are quite excited if they drafted Alvin Kamara and held him for the first three games of the season. He's the RB3 in fantasy since then, uh, since returning from his suspension. And I I really do think he's like a solid high-end RB2, low-end RB1 rest of the season. But he carries some risk due to his advanced age. I do a study every offseason on the running back touch and age apex, and he's well over it for both categories. And he has some guys in his backfield that I think will be involved. Jamal Williams just got back last week. Kendra Miller's a rookie. He might start to get more involved as well. 
what I would do with Alvin Kamara, because I, I, I still think you could hold him if you needed to, is mm-hmm. use his performances to upgrade to somebody better, like Austin Eckler, like Bijan Robinson, like Brees Hall, like you know DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor or somebody like that. You could probably get all the way up to Austin Eckler using Alvin Kamara plus a small piece because of the name value that Alvin Kamara has, has holds. Um, being a multi-time RB1, RB1 overall finisher in recent years, and also the fact that he is performing week over week right now. Corey, I love all the points that you're talking about and some of the names that you mentioned. If I can upgrade from Kamara to those names, certainly makes sense. The only thing right now, Derek Carr, ever since Alvin Kamara came back, I think his average depth of target or air yards per per attempt are like at 3.1. I mean, it's like... The problem is with a, a quarterback like Derek Carr, who is willing to check the ball down an obnoxious amount of times and even bypass his first target, which a la Chris Olave, who on some of these snaps is wide, running wide open, basically throwing up a goalpost saying, I'm wide open, throw me the ball. It, it's kind of like somebody who's on a strict diet and you're putting like an entire 12 pack of donuts for like a check down option to you know, Carr can't help himself with an option like an Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. So do you feel like in PPR formats, you're potentially passing on somebody who has a, a, a pretty crazy high weekly floor with how much Derek Carr has been checking the ball down since he since Kamara's return to the lineup? Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's a, he's still a really good option rest of the season. I, I just think when I have a spike in production above what I think the guy is worth, because I don't think we're getting 14 and, you know, whatever, nine receptions every single week out of Alvin Kamara. There's going to be weeks right. probably where he has, you know, check down Charlie Derek Carr throwing him the ball constantly. But I think the, the production will balance itself out and he will be more of a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. And people that drafted Alvin Kamara might be thinking, I got a league winner on my hands. This guy's a high-end RB1 for the rest of the year. And anytime the you know perceived value is higher than what I actually think the guy is worth, it's worth trying to go up and get an Austin Eckler who is you know, a stud, a guy that can be, you know, a rest of season high end RB one, which I don't think Alvin Kamara can be for the reasons that I kind of laid out the backfield competition, the age, the efficiency. I I don't think it'll keep up. Spoken like a true man who runs the fantasy stock exchange. That's why you go to Corey for this type of information. And speaking of information, I've got an underdog promo for you that you all need to listen to. The NFL season keeps rolling on like Dante Culpepper rolling along, which means that we get to talk about some really cool, exciting new exclusive offers. Underdog Fantasy is now offering new customers that sign up with the promo code PFN, or you can simply click the link in your description, a deposit match of up to $500 plus a mystery pick'em special in the pick'em lobby to use right from the jump. All you have to do is click the link in your podcast or show description, sign up, make your first deposit for access, and you will find the special player you got right there in the pick'em lobby. I think you're going to want to take advantage of that. So sign up with the code PFN and take advantage of this ridiculously awesome offer today. We move into the wide receiver position. Soppy, who's your number one receiver to target heading into week number eight? We just talked Kamara. We just talked all these checkdowns. I'm praying to God that that changes to some degree and elevates my guy Chris Olave to the status that his skill set requires him to be at. We saw all the targets last week, and he's on pace for 165. That's eventually going to pay off, I hope. This is like, to me, the... Uh, it's kind of similar to what I thought about Kelvin Ridley early in the season. The targets were there, but the production hasn't been. Ridley lost some of the targets last week. Olave didn't. He's still getting looks. You mentioned overshooting him or not looking downfield. I'm hoping that changes. I'm hoping this is just a shoulder injury. If you can buy low-ish on Chris Olave, because people, if you've watched these games, watching Olave is is painful. 
Right now, it's painful because you know the second car drops back that this isn't going anywhere near where Alave can make a difference, make a dent in fantasy. You're looking at some positive matchups coming forward. He's got the Bears, the Vikings, the Panthers, the Bucks, the Falcons twice. There are gettable spots on that schedule. Alave's best days are ahead. Worst case, he keeps doing what he's doing. And that, if that's the price you pay right now, to me, that's worth the investment. Sapi, I hope you're right. I me hope too. you're right. Alave... Alave, when you look at the tape, there are so many plays left out on the football field, but there's also just some sort of disconnect right now between Carr and Alave. There's also some reps where Alave isn't running at full speed, kind of giving up on routes and giving up on plays, which isn't helping matters. Now, Derek Carr shouldn't be screaming at Chris Alave when he throws the ball 10 yards into the you know, front yeah. row of the stadium, <laughs> but there is some sort of disconnect between Carr and his, I think, his most talented wide receiver. The target's are there he the town is there hopefully things get right he is certainly an intriguing buy heading into week number eight Corey who do you got as the number one receiver to buy heading into week number eight call me a glutton for punishment but I'm going back after uh, Calvin Ridley let's and go <laughs> it's it's so difficult to to defend what Ridley has done so far <laughs> but I think the reason he's a good buy is because the narrative is so strong against mm -hmm. him and that makes for a buying window and that makes for even, you know, experienced fantasy players, let alone casual fantasy players who might be ready to drop this guy altogether to sell low on this guy and sell him as a wide receiver three. And could he be a wide receiver three rest of the season? Maybe. But if you're getting him for a wide receiver three price tag, I still believe that this guy is wide receiver one upside. And if I like could point to anything that of why he's not performed at a high level so far, I mean, he's seen seven targets in five of his seven games so far. He has also seen shadow coverage from the likes of Marshawn Lattimore, A.J. Terrell, Legereus Sneed, and the Texans' corners um, who've been pretty strong against the pass so far. Those are his four worst games of the season. So for me, I'm thinking, you know, he's got a pretty favorable schedule coming up. No shadow matchups, no shadow corners over the next five games. And I think the whole Christian Kirk is way better than Calvin Ridley narrative will probably correct itself to some degree. Agreed. And if you get this guy, even if he gives you wide receiver two production for the rest of the year, you profit at the price tag that you're paying right now. And I still think he's worth the risk that, you know, the Jaguars notoriously started slow last year. Maybe they, you know, pick it up down the stretch. Calvin Ridley, you know, hasn't played football and he's, you know, still getting back into the swing of things. Maybe the stars align for him to be like a league winner down the stretch. And I think that's why I'm taking the plunge on Calvin Ridley right now. I trust in the talent of Calvin Ridley. I trust in Trevor Lawrence to eventually start just throwing more touchdowns and getting more production on the offensive side of the football here. Eventually things got to start to come together. It just feels like it's on the cusp, but we haven't seen it yet. It does present a window. I'm with you. Glutton for punishment. I agree, but the window is certainly there with a very talented player and an, I think a quarterback that is trending in the right direction. Sapi, who's your number one wide receiver to sell heading into week number eight? If we're talking trade windows here, give me JSN. I'll trade Jackson Smith Ooh. and Jacoba right now. I mean, the window is there because DK Metcalf missed. This is the the idea behind drafting JSN was as a wide receiver handcuff. And we got to see that. He produced. He balled out. Great. I'm expecting DK Metcalf to be back here. And this is not a great run out coming up for the Seahawks. They've got San Fran, Dallas, San Fran, Philly over a four-week or four-game stretch from week 12 to 15. When you're trying to make that push into the fantasy playoffs, seeding the first few rounds of the playoffs, however your league works out there. So, yes, he was trending in the right direction prior to the, the Metcalf injury, and they're going with more three-receiver sets than they were earlier in the year. All of that's great, but if you can get like a low-end wide receiver two for JSN right now with people flocking his way after – 
the good showing in week seven with DK Metcalf banged up. I don't think this Metcalf thing's a long-term deal, so that still puts him at the wide receiver three and the Geno Smith-led offense. To me, if you can get a top 25 guy, I'm doing it. I'm on board with it, even though I kind of want to give him a little bit of context. He's a good player. He did, yeah. he did enter the season with a with a wrist injury that we expected he could potentially miss some time. He was able to battle through it. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a slow start. But even when you look, even at his best, pro, most productive game, he still scored on a wide open, basically busted coverage. And mm-hmm. he's still struggling in contested catch situations. He hasn't been nearly the producer than I expected and it is a busy and talented wide receiver there room when DK Metcalf is in the mix so I understand he's the wide receiver 67 right now in PPR formats if you can sell high sell high so uh Corey number one wide receiver to sell heading into week eight yeah real quick I just want to totally disagree with the JSN take the reason I, I say to disagree with it is because I think the narrative that you you know outlined that Metcalf was out will be fresh in people's minds. Prevailing. And I think yeah. the if you're looking to sell on JSN, you should wait until he has a good game with all three of them on the field because I think this week coming up is a good opportunity potentially for that. The Seahawks are a top 10 team in neutral pass rate. I think it's possible that we get another good spike week at a JSN and people will be bought in. Hey, rookies getting better as the season goes along. And then if you wanted to sell at that point, that's probably when I would do it. I just don't think okay. this is the right window because I think most people will assume that it was because Metcalf was out that he uh, that he produced if they're tuned in to kind of what happened this past week. But uh, my number one wide receiver to sell right now is Cortland Sutton. And it's not because I don't think he's a fine option. I think he's, you know, fine wide receiver three rest of the season. But I would use him, like I said, uh, with Kamara to tear up. Like the reason I would trade Cortland Sutton is because he's actually producing like a wide receiver two right now. He's wide receiver 19 on the season. There's possibility that Jerry Judy gets traded. There's possibility of all these things happening for the Denver Broncos. And I think people are going to think of that when they're trading for Cortland Sutton. Hey, if Judy gets traded, he's going to be a wide receiver too, maybe a top 15 wide receiver for the rest of the year. And I think there's going to be leagues where you can get Calvin Ridley straight up for Cortland Sutton right now. Do it. And do I it. think that I would absolutely do that. There's going to be leagues where maybe you can even get Chris Olave with Cortland Sutton plus maybe a small piece or something like that. He's just the perfect type of guy to use to go get somebody better. I don't think he's a bad option. I just think you could use him right now off the back of a couple good weeks in a row to get to somebody better. Any excuse to get out of the Denver passing game is fine by me. So if you can, <laughs> Sutton has been far better than I expected. I agree 100%. Try to get out of this offense, or at least get out of the passing offense. I'm, I'm with you with Javante Williams. That's been encouraging. Uh, I just haven't loved what I've seen from Russell Wilson in the passing game. So again, Cortland Sutton's been producing this year, wide receiver 19 so far. So if this presents a, another opportunity to sell and get out of that offense, I would certainly entertain it. Moving on to the quarterback and tight end trade targets that we have for week number eight. Soppy, who's your number one quarterback to buy heading into week eight? Buying and selling these onesie positions is a little tough because there's not a whole lot of wiggle room here, but I'm going to buy Jared Goff as kind of a low-end quarterback one if you're streaming, and obviously this is a tough spot because it's week eight. Nobody's on a buy, so you're in a weird spot here, but I, I do have Jared Goff as a top 12 quarterback this week against the Raiders. He's then got the bye week, then he's got the Chargers and the Bears. So that lines up as a pretty nice month ahead for Jared Goff. And we know indoor Jared Goff is just different than outdoor Jared Goff. His final three games during the fantasy season all come indoors. So to me, Jared Goff is going to be on this fringe top 10 status the rest of the way. And I, I don't think he's going to charge you that right now after the stinker in or against the Ravens. So Jared Goff, a nice low end quarterback one for those streaming the position. 
Yeah, Jared Goff has been very consistent this year. And while the Detroit Lions did get punched in the mouth and what they gave up to the touchdowns to the Ravens offense on the first four possessions, putting them in a pretty big hole. Um, you know, Goff had a season high 53 pass attempts and a season low 9.2 fantasy points. I don't I, I'm not going to put too much weight into this. Mm -hmm. Still think he's uh, that offense is playing at a pretty high level. It was nice to see what Jameer Gibbs did uh, in week number seven. Corey, who's your number one quarterback to buy heading into week eight? Yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't noticed yet, I like to buy low on narratives. And uh, Joe Burrow being objectively terrible for, like, most of the season outside of one game this year is uh, is something that I want to buy low on because I know that Joe Burrow is not objectively terrible. I know he's just been basically injured. And coming off of a bye week, maybe he got healthier. Maybe he's going to be, you know, ready to go. He's got 12.1 points per game this season. He's literally like a yeah. bottom five fantasy starting quarterback right now. And I still think he had this. He has the exact same ceiling he had coming into the season, which is top five upside, 22 points per game. And you're getting him right now. Again, I would assume that people know name value-wise not to trade him for nothing, but you could probably get him for low-end quarterback one price tags. Maybe you could sell, you know, uh, you, we just mentioned Jared Goff. Maybe somebody like Jared Goff or maybe somebody like Brock Purdy plus like a flex piece or something like that. Get yourself a guy that has legitimate every week starter upside that can give you those spike performances, those 30-point games and stuff that we've seen from Joe Burrow over the years, uh, of course, with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, hopefully now healthy. I, I think the offense will turn a corner here. And maybe, again, I'm just a glutton for punishment, and the Bengals just aren't it this year, but I do think they'll bounce back. Well, another thing that I think bodes well for maybe Joe Burrow having a, a much better much more productive back half of the season. We haven't really seen a whole lot from Joe Mixon and Joe Mixon's been involved at least some volume on, on a weekly basis. Just hasn't, the production hasn't been there in the rushing game either. And Mixon hasn't been giving you elite, you know, running back one type of production. So I definitely think the passing game could expand and, and look more than like what we've seen in the past. Here's a good name. Would you trade Kirk Cousins right now for Joe Burrow? Absolutely. Okay. If you're yes, playing narratives, you have to move Cousins now. He's God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? he literally he's primetime Kirk Cousins. Never, yeah, never yeah. disappointed in primetime, as Not I've often once. said about Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Woo! Uh, Sapi, how about tight end? A uh, onesie that position that you want to go ahead and buy at the tight end position heading into week eight. And when you're buying at this point in the season, like with Corey's option and Joe Burrow, I think guys that have the bye week behind them are just a little bit more valuable because that's one week you don't have to worry about it. For me, that's Dalton Schultz. I mean, we saw him score in three straight games going into the bye week. I think he could be like what I was describing with Jared Goff. He's not a lock starter, not a must guy, but at the low end of the position, this way you don't have to stream. I'm not sold on Tank Dell being the number two option in Houston. I do think he'll be back, but I think Dalton Schultz can earn targets in an offense that wants to throw the ball because with Damian Pierce, they're not running the ball anywhere anytime soon. So in an offense that's going to throw the ball, the number two option, a guy that's shown some touchdown equity, and he, he has a few good seasons under his belt in Dallas. So I think the talent's there. Dalton Schultz, for me, a fringe top 10 guy the rest of the way that can be had for relatively cheap, especially coming off the bye where people may have forgotten. I do think that there's a competition between Tank Dell and Dalton Schultz for kind of that quick underneath intermediate type of option for C.J. Stroud. Uh, I mean, two of the busiest games that Dalton Schultz had all season were the last two weeks, one where Tank Dell got hurt and then the other one where Tank Dell was unavailable. I think Schultz saw seven and ten targets in those games respectively. So I, do you feel like Dalton Schultz is going to be kind of the number two option behind Nico Collins moving forward, Sapi? I do, and at the very least, I think this offense, the volume that they operate, could probably get three different guys, a handful of targets plus per week. I do think Nico's 
the defined alpha wide receiver one in that offense. But the fact that it's close, like it, given this spot, the tight end here, if he's the number two option every other week, that's good enough to be a top 10 performer at the position that just, you know, it gets ugly after like six. I'm with you on the tight end position, but uh, you know, I still like me some tank Dell. Corey, who's your number one tight end to buy heading into week eight? Yeah, I mean, with tight ends, similar to Dalton Schultz, you're hoping that like oh every, like two of every four games, you get like a solid back end tight end one performance, mm-hmm. or maybe you get a spike week where he's like the tight end one or two on the week or something like that. So give me Michael Mayer, a guy that mm-hmm. I thought was barn on the best tight end prospect in the NFL draft. I mean, that's not really aging too well, given what Sam Laporta is, is doing right now. But the usage itself is lending itself to a, a Michael Mayer back half of the season breakout. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't even been there the last two weeks, and he's been you know relatively productive. Two weeks ago, he was the tight end five, I believe, in uh, points per game on the week. 81% snap share in week six. Um, you know, clearly edges out Austin Hooper, who he was previously co- uh, competing for snaps and targets with. And then before the game got out of hand last week, played 46 of 50 total plays before the Raiders pulled their starters against the Chicago Bears. So... Like I said, he was my clear tight end one in the class. I know a lot of people started to give up on him because he didn't test super well, but you don't have like three years of dominance at a big school like Notre Dame where you have like a 35% target share without knowing how to play football. And with Jimmy G coming back, I think the offense will will pick itself up a little bit. Josh Jacobs, probably also an honorable mention as a decent buy low at running back. And, you know, I get it. Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, these guys are going to command targets, but I would rather have the number three option at tight end in a really good, you know, offense, an offense that's consistently scoring, one that's on, in the red zone all the time, as opposed to like the number one option in a terrible offense, like a lot of tight ends that we chase constantly in fantasies. Oh, you could be the number two receiver for the Denver Broncos. Like, the who Chicago cares? Bears. Like, it's yeah. like, I want, uh, you know, the guy that can give me the spike weeks because he plays in the good offense. Yeah, what a tight end class this has turned out to be. Sam Laporta. I mean, we we even didn't talk about Dalton Schultz yet, which he may be brought up later. He may not be, but yeah, he had himself his best game of the of the entire 2023 campaign last week. So, and we didn't even bring up Luke Musgrave either. So it's it's a heck of a tight end class. But Michael Mayer's usage is certainly trending and pointing in the right direction. I'm with you on that one, Corey Soppy, number one quarterback to sell heading into week number eight. Yeah, and I fear that these are always going to come across as hot takey with the quarterback ones to sell because you either it's either a tier one guy like tier one or two or it's Jared Goff in the streaming and you can't who's who's buying on some of those low end guys. So Josh Allen for me is a little bit of a sell right now. I'm I'm worried. I'm worried. Under 20 rushing yards in four straight games that matches a career high. Yards per completion are at a career low. He's not a tier one guy for me. I had it as a big three coming into the season. Now it's a big two with Josh Allen dropping down a little bit into the Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, that range for me. If the rushing dries up, the rushing touchdowns, that is. He's not getting yards or attempts. He's getting the viable carries. He's like a touchdown vulture. If those dry up, I'm a little concerned Gabe Davis hasn't taken the step forward that we thought. We know Stephon Diggs is a stud, but with one-star receiver... And if the rushing variance kind of leans the other direction, I think you could probably sell him based on name and production. Don't get me wrong. He's been great. I just think his best days are behind him now, and those aren't the guys I want on my team. Soppy, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit confused on this one. Um, Just because, I mean, he's had four straight games with two-plus touchdown passes, so the passing production has been there, although, you know, Allen still makes mistakes on and makes head-scratching throws from time to time, but that's been there. But the rushing floor, although the yardage has not been there, he's still found the end zone on the ground in four out of the 
you know, what, last five games? So I, I get it. It's tough to pick a quarterback to sell, though. Like you said, you're, you're, you're having to pick a, like a top five option, and certainly his production recently uh, warrants a high price tag on the open market. So that makes sense. Corey, number one quarterback to sell heading into week eight. Yeah, as a guy with 100% exposure in my two redraft leagues to Josh Allen, I could tell you I would never sell him, to be honest. I still view it as a big three. In That's fact, right. I still think he's the quarterback one rest of season because okay. he's been a quarterback one six or seven games so far, and he gives you the monster performances that you know very few quarterbacks can where he can rush in two touchdowns and throw two touchdowns and 300 yards. And he, he to me, I like I'll take the good with the bad with Josh Allen. Nobody's perfect. People are going to have bad games. The Patriots defense is pretty strong. Um, I still think Josh Allen's an elite quarterback. And again, mine's going to sound hot takey as well because Lamar Jackson's not somebody I really want to sell Ooh. and venture into the quarterback dead zone outside of the top five or six right. guys this year. <laughs> but he has been a little inconsistent. Maybe you can get, um, you know, let's say you're suffering at one of your wide receiver spots or suffering at, you know, a flex position or a running back spot. And you wanted to get really risky here and trade Lamar Jackson for Joe Burrow plus a startable wide receiver or running back on any given week because you're lacking depth. That's a risk that I'm okay taking because, you know, you can go down from Lamar Jackson to a guy that I still think Joe Burrow rest of the season is going to have a good, uh, you know, good outlook, or you could go the other way and take Lamar Jackson and go to one of the big three, which is hurts Allen Mahomes. Maybe Allen is the guy that you go after because, you know, like Kyle kind of outlined, maybe some people are a little bit worried about the performance and, and that kind of thing. But Again, I don't really want to sell Lamar Jackson. This is just the guy that I would pick if I had to sell one. Yeah, Corey, I was going to ask, like, if, if you have Lamar Jackson in a one QB league, right, and you send an offer out, would you send an offer out for, like, Austin Eckler? Like, I could because of that, I mean, I... Oh, I, absolutely, yeah. yeah like, I, I mean, and maybe, like, I, I don't do this, but some, you know, home league-type players will probably roster two quarterbacks, and maybe you had Joe Burrow on bye, and you had Lamar Jackson on your team, or maybe you have some other option on your uh, bench that was on bye that you can pivot to in the short term, and you wanted to sell Lamar Jackson one-for-one for, one for a solid position player, like, you know, somebody on the low, like a Josh Jacobs or something, to upgrade your RB2 slot. I'm fine with that as well, if you can handle you know, venturing into the quarterback dead zone. I'm really shocked at how bad quarterback has been this year. I thought we would get a lot more guys over 20 points per game. That's why I don't really want to sell a guy like Lamar Jackson who's doing it. Um, but if I had to sell him, I, I, if I had to sell one of these guys, I think you have to sell somebody of value to get something good in return. And Lamar Jackson's probably the guy I would do it. Yeah, you still pull the trigger if you can get an elite option at the running back or wide receiver position. Totally get it. Sapi, number one tight end to sell heading into week eight. I think the moral of the story here is if you have a quarterback or tight end that's producing at any any sort of rate, you don't move them. You don't move them. You stick with what you've got, and you just you let it ride. Like this is this gets ugly in a hurry. Like Corey was saying, the quarterback position isn't near as deep as we thought it would be, and the tight end position we didn't think it was going to be good to begin with, and it's not. Darren Waller for me is a decent sell option. You guys talked about lacking exposure to these terrible offenses. I'm okay with getting out of the New York Giants business. I mean, the points they've scored over the last couple games, 14-9, 16-3, 12, they're not putting points on the board. They don't have a chance to pay off really much of anything. I don't trust this offense to get him the catches and yards he needs. And if they're not in the red zone, he's not scoring and paying it off that way. To me, Darren Waller, after one good week, is a viable sell. I understand that he's trending in the right direction and that he's the number one option in this offense. But to me, the number one option in New York isn't quite worth it for me. Surprisingly, he still leads all tight ends in team target share at like 22.7%. Yeah. 
but empty calories. <laughs> the quality of the targets is what yeah. the problem is with Darren Waller. So I definitely understand. I mean, scoring his first touchdown of the season uh, certainly gives you at least an opportunity and, and his best performance of the season from a fantasy perspective certainly gives you a window to get off of the Giants passing offense. Corey, number one tight end to sell heading into week eight. Yeah, again, full disclosure, I probably wouldn't sell this guy because you are in a position where you actually have a guy that you can trust week over week. And the type of guy that Dallas Goddard is, is you got to take the good with the bad because he's not the number one or even the number two in his offense. He's going to have down performances, which he did from like weeks one to four. He wasn't really relevant, but he has been really good the last two games or two of the last three games. Maybe it doesn't cost that much more to get up to a better option, which is why I would use Dallas Goddard as a sell candidate. Maybe you can get up to a Mark Andrews, get up to a TJ Hawkinson, or hell, maybe you can get George Kittle plus for Dallas Goddard, and George Kittle and Dallas Goddard are essentially the same guy. It's you take the good with the bad, and you get the boom performances in a good offense. They're the two best teams in the NFC for a reason. So with, um, with Dallas Goddard, I would transition him, if I can, to get a better tight end. Or I would probably just hold him. I probably wouldn't sell him for like a lower end tight end because I think he's a guy that you can trust week over week and live with the good and the bad. Would you rather have Sam Laporta or Dallas Goddard the rest of the season? Sam Laporta, 100%. Yeah, if you could get to yeah, Sam Laporta, close. Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, I mean, you probably won't be able to get to Travis Kelsey, but maybe it's a two-for-one where you're giving up a piece of your good depth, wide receiver two type, and Dallas Goddard to give the guy a tight end in return. I would use him to upgrade. I would not use him to downgrade. Roger that. So as we are coming to a close here on this Trade Target podcast here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel, um, Soppy, do you have any bold predictions that you have for week number eight? Uh, a bold prediction for week eight? I don't think that... Yeah, sure. I'll go ahead and say it. I think Lamar Jackson's better than Josh Allen the rest of the way. I, that'll be a bold prediction for me and Corey <laughs> to go back and forth on. I don't know if it's just week eight. We'll say moving forward for that. But I, I do like Lamar... And I'm worried. I'm worried on Josh Allen. Again, I'm not selling him. Corey outlined that well in that if you have one of these guys, you're not really looking to trade. I'm not looking to go from rich to poor in a, in any spot in my starting lineup, but definitely not the quarterback or tight end position. But I'll take Lamar Jackson over Josh Allen the rest of the way. And Corey, any spicy takes heading into week eight before we sign off? Headache gate will be something that we laugh about after this week because the Tennessee Titans just traded away Kevin Byard, one of their best defensive players. And I think it is Bijan Robinson eruption week for the Atlanta okay. Falcons. And we're going to see that everybody who panicked on him was was stupid. I've had a, a number of comments being like, I can't believe he told me to draft Bijan Robinson. He was like the RB7 entering this week before he just decided to, you know, have a headache and not play in the game. And I think this is the week that we get the the monster performance because we haven't seen a monster no, performance from Bijan yet. And this is the week that we're going to get it is my bold prediction. Oh, goodness. I hope you are right. That is Corey Bushland. Again, he is the co-founder of the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Tell us where you can find us and what other content we can expect from you uh, heading you know, into week eight and, and beyond uh, for the rest of the 2023 NFL season. Yeah, uh, you can find me over on YouTube, Fantasy Stock Exchange over there. You can find me on Twitter at Football Stock. All of our uh, bonus content, Dynasty Rankings, Rest of Season Rankings, Weekly Rankings, um, with all like Vegas information and stuff that you guys would need to help you know set your lineups. That's available on flockfantasy.com, uh, and you can use promo code FSE over there for 30% off. We've teamed up with uh, Mason over at Fantasy Flock and you know Zach and Badake over at Fantasyland and Dynastyland so that you guys can you know get access to all of our bonus content without having to subscribe to like four or five different Patreons or whatever. So um, definitely check that out if you guys are interested in that. 
Yeah, love me some Mason Dodd. You guys do a fantastic job. This has been a lot of fun. One of the best in the business, Corey Bushland. Uh, thank you again for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. And that's Kyle Soppy. Again, if this is your first time coming across our YouTube channel, go ahead and subscribe. Hit the like button, all that great stuff. Click the bell so you get notified every single time we drop a new bit of content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. Again, you can find me at Derek Tate NFL on X, formerly known as Twitter. And you can find Kyle Soppy at Kyle Soppy PFN. And until next time, everybody... Good luck with your trades this week. Later, says the tape.